Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful message of the gospel. And we thank you for the many different ways that that gospel can be communicated, even as we just saw. But Father, what is vital is that it is communicated. And that to our hearts, would you, by your spirit, do that work that only your spirit can do this afternoon, we pray, for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. Romans 5. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men and women because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, 
much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life. Through who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good afternoon. And it is really good to be here with you today. And it's wonderful to meet all of you for the very first time. Now, you've had some interesting people tell their story over the years. You've had Moses and Joshua and Samuel, the two ladies, Esther and Ruth. You had Job, which is an interesting story, right? Very sad at the beginning, but then ultimately a happy ending. Amongst many, how about Abraham, the father of faith, the friend of God? He lived 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus Christ and 4,000 years before you lot. And he lived to the grand old age of 175. Now that may sound impressive according to your standards, but Abraham, he ain't got nothing on me. I live to the ripe old age of 930. Though I admit, I had the distinct advantage of living before the flood. Things were very different back then. We hardly had any climate change issues like you lot do. So now, I'd like to tell you my story. I wonder if you can guess who I am. Now before I hit the track running, four weeks ago, you did a series called present, present. As you know, the word present has multiple meanings, particularly as it relates to God. So first of all, God is present with regards to time. God is present with regards to time. I wonder if you can connect me up, Um, Joel. You'll see it come up in a minute. The first thing you looked at was the fact that God was present in the past. God was present in the past in terms of prediction, which is actually my error. Now, don't be distracted by Pastor E. Back in the past was my error. (laughs) I was there back then when time began. But we'll get to that in a moment. Three weeks ago, you talked about God here present, God here present with regards to the incarnation. And because it's that time of year, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, thank you brother, says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us, God present. Which for you is past, 2,000 years ago. And it's that which continues to be celebrated 
during this wonderful season, right? Two weeks ago, you talked about God being present, but present in the present. In the present, present, God. And that through the church. The church. You are God's hands, his feet, his eyes, and his ears. You are the body of Christ of whom Jesus is the head. The church. And you are here on mission to your community, to your friends, to your family, even to your enemies. God is present in the present in you by his spirit. And then last week you looked at God present in the future, looking at the return of Christ the second coming of Christ in the future, because how many of you know he didn't come back last Friday, right? (laughs) For those of you that don't know, the end of the world was supposed to be on the 21st of December, 2012. So there is a summary of what you've been talking about recently. You can download these these messages from, from the Calvary Chapel South London website. Now, We've looked at it in terms of time, right? Past, present, future, incarnation, location. Today, we will look at present in terms of gift. The word has multiple meanings. Present in terms of gift. And guess who the gift is? God is the gift. Jesus is the gift. Now, before we get into my story, I want to set the record straight. People been blaming me for a lot of things, like sin and death. But I didn't do anything that you didn't do as well. So I take my share of the blame, but you have to also do the same. So don't come looking for me after the service, right? Anyway, here's my story. All of you were born But for me, it was different. You grew up as children, but I never had a childhood. Maybe that's why some of you find it difficult to relate to me. I missed out on all of the fun growing up. And maybe I missed out on, thank you very much. Maybe I missed out also on some of the problems, right? Like being a teenager. Hmm. You were born, I was created. God gave you life through your father and mother. I was formed from the dust of the ground, and God breathed life into me. Think about waking up. Think about waking up and try to imagine that happening for the very first time. That is kind of what it was like for me. God breathed into me, and I came to life. The first thing I remember was looking at the face of God. And I knew that my life came from him and that my life was for him. Of course, God is invisible, but he wanted me to know him. So God took a form which I could, which I could see. Now, I heard one of your pastors, I think it might have been, is it Pastor Patrick? Because he can use big words sometimes, right? Give it a Greek and everything. 
he was talking about anthropomorphism. That's when God is described in human form, having hands and feet, arms, etc. Well, I experienced something even better. God appeared to me personally. We walked and we talked together in the garden. All this was pointing forward to what you will celebrate this week, the incarnation. When God assumed human form, God became a man in Jesus Christ. But now I'm getting ahead of myself. God brought me into the most beautiful garden. Trees laden with fruit and rivers flowing with with crystal clear water. The garden was a paradise. And when God put me in charge of caring for it, I I couldn't have been more delighted than one day, just as I had finished naming all of the animals, I must admit that I couldn't help noticing that they all seem to have partners, like Mr. and Mrs. Chimpanzee, like Mr. and Mrs. Elephant, like Mr. and Mrs. Badger. Yeah, I, I didn't see anyone suitable for me. Anyway, God put me into a deep sleep. I don't know what happened, but when I, when I woke up, I knew something was different. My side felt strange. I felt around my ribcage, and it seemed as if something was missing. I then heard the voice of God calling me, Adam! Adam, he said. I have, so- I have someone I want you to meet. <laughs> when I looked, I was like, Now, now that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Bun Mrs. Tiger and I'm not interested in Mrs. Gorilla. (laughs) You are bone of my bone and your flesh of my flesh. You and me are one, baby. (laughs) We're going to make sweet music together. Oh. And then God said those words that you still use in your wedding services today. Genesis 2:24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I was like, Lord, What's a father and a mother? He said, don't worry, you'll find out soon enough. Then I said, she will be called woman. Woman. Because she was taken out of man. The the man with the womb. And apart from God, let me tell you, she was the most beautiful and wonderful gift in all of paradise. One thing I can tell you for sure is that God is absolutely good. Please don't ever take his gifts, please don't ever take his presence for granted. Now most of you know what happened next, right? The serpent, that dark enemy of God, came into the garden. 
and he found my beautiful wife and he told her all kinds of lies. He tempted her to disobey God and that's what she did. And I did the same. Both of us were involved, but I was primarily responsible. We sinned. The devil turned us against God, and paradise was lost. God then came into the garden to confront the old serpent. Cursed are you, he said. Then God said to me, dust you are, and back to the dust you will return. I felt sure at that point that my life was about to end right there and then, but it didn't. Although death from that moment on was at work in me, but I was still alive. And while there is life, how many of you know, there is still hope. Sinners don't belong in the paradise of God. And it's very important that you understand this. So, it was no surprise to me that God banished us from the garden. My loss was indescribable. I missed that garden and oh how I missed walking and talking with God. Outside the garden, I no longer saw him. I had to walk by faith and not by sight. Just like you do. But in the midst of this dark time, something God said gave me hope. He spoke about the, the offspring or the seed of the woman. And that's strange, right? Because a woman doesn't have seed. A woman doesn't have sperm. How could a woman have offspring without a husband? Anyway... God said that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Very cryptic to me at the time, believe me. So now, outside the garden, I began to worship. I began to pray, and I held on to the hope of God's promise. Now, outside the garden, everything was different. The ground was hard to work. It was full of thorns and thistles, and the joys of life were replaced by the grind and disciplines of toil. I found that not only had things changed around me, they had changed inside me as well. In the garden, temptation came from outside of me, but now temptation also came from within me. I wonder if you can identify with that. It was as if sin had taken root in me. I, I thought that sin was a choice, but I discovered that sin is a power. This is why I confess that I need a savior. I need someone strong who can rescue me. And this is why you also need a savior. Now here's the news that 
none of you wants to hear. There's a piece of me in all of you. The whole human family is descended from me. Now that's my gift, that's my present from me to you. Merry Christmas. You're welcome. So so not only do we share in sin's guilt, but we also find ourselves together under its power. Can anyone argue with that? I'm sure that everyone would agree, and you'd agree that at some point, you have been overwhelmed by the power of sin. As the years went on, I saw the destructive power of sin in my own family. I saw the destructive power of sin, again, up close and personal. Eve gave birth to a little boy. What a joy he was when he was born. Probably a little bit like Mark and Tabitha's little girl when she's born, hopefully soon, right? What a joy he was. As I held him in my arms, I was like, wow. And then I remembered God's promise about the offspring about the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Eve, maybe he's the one. Maybe he will get us back into the garden. How naive we were. We gave him the name Cain. And soon after, Eve gave birth to his brother, Abel. And they grew up and became men. And then one day, Cain murdered Abel. Cain murdered his brother, Eve was inconsolable. Abel was dead. Cain had fled. And we never saw him again. We were two who became four who were now two again. But it felt like we were less than two. Do you know who you are and what you do sometimes passes on to your children? To me, that was one of the hardest things to live with. I rebelled against God, and then Cain rebelled against me as he rebelled against God. I was beginning to see why God was right to banish us from the garden. Then, God gave us another son. And we called him Seth. And after that, we had other sons and daughters, and Tentatively, I thought maybe, maybe God's blessing will come through Seth. Our children had never known paradise. I tried to tell them about it, but it was beyond anything that they could imagine. I told them what a fool I'd been. I told them how sin was our greatest enemy. And I tried to explain that our only hope was in a redeemer. I must move on because... I'm really here today to tell you about that Redeemer. By the way, your pastors left a note for me. I don't know where is it, is it my Bible? Yeah. It says, Dear Adam, (laughs) welcome to Calvary Chapel, South London. Our people are very kind 
and they won't blame you for everything. By the way, we don't like preachers who talk too much about themselves. So speak about the one who's greater than you. You're the first Adam, but speak to us about the last Adam. P.S., don't speak as long as we do. Remember, it's Christmas. <laughs> so, let me tell you about the one who is greater than me by far. Jesus Christ was born into my line. Now, if you were to speak to Abraham, he might well say that he really likes Matthew's gospel. Because Matthew traces the line of Christ all the way back to who? To him, Abraham. That's because Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. But I like Luke's gospel because he traces the line of Jesus all the way back to moi. Oh, but I said I wasn't going to speak about myself, right? He does this because he wants us actually not to be enamored with, he doesn't want you to be enamored with me. He wants you to be enamored with, he wants you to know Jesus, not only as the Jewish Messiah, as Matthew, but as the savior of the world. The angel said, his birth is good news of great joy for all people. Luke chapter two, verse 10. Christ has come as savior, not just for the Jews, but for every branch of the human family. Now I hope you're listening carefully. You may never see me again. I said that Jesus was born into my line. I didn't say that he was born from my line. The savior did not come from us, he came to us. That's why God spoke about the offspring of the woman. Here is the beauty and the significance and the glory of the virgin birth. If Jesus Christ had come from my seed, he would have carried my sinful nature, just like all of you do. But being born of a virgin, <laughs> he was fully man, and yet he was without sin. Only God could accomplish something so amazing. Jesus Christ, he triumphed where I failed. Jesus was tempted just as I was, but the outcome was entirely different. He was tempted in all types of different ways, yet without sin. See, I faced the tempter in the perfect circumstances of the garden. He faced the tempter in a desert. When I faced the tempter, I was surrounded by food all around me. It wasn't even like I had an excuse. Like, boy, what can I say? Man's just starving, you know. It's like, boy, what can I do? I'm surrounded, <laughs> surrounded by food. When Jesus faced the tempter, he was hungry after fasting for 40 days and nights. In the garden, Satan came looking for me. In the desert, Christ went looking for him. In the garden, I failed, but in the desert, Christ triumphed. Someone said it in these words. O loving wisdom of our God, when all was sin and shame, another Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. 
Oh, wisest love that flesh and blood, which did in Adam fail, should strive afresh against the foe, would conquer and prevail. When wrapping Christmas gifts with mirth, it's good that we recall the one who came from heaven to earth, the greatest gift of all. Christ triumphed where I failed, where all of us have failed. The devil has no hold on him. He lived a perfect life, and when he went to the cross, where he laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, then on the third day, he rose from the dead, and today he's exalted at the right hand of God the Father. Now most of you know that, but some of you might wonder, how does a, a man dying and rising 2,000 years ago make a difference to my life? Well, I can help you with the answer to that question. Jesus Christ redeems that which was lost. Romans chapter five, verse 14, says Adam was a pattern of the one to come. Do you remember we read that at the beginning? There is a similarity between what I did on the one hand and what the Redeemer accomplished on the other hand. The way I messed everything up and the way Christ puts everything right works according to the same pattern. Romans chapter five, verse 18 says, just as the result of the one trespass, that's what I did, was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, what Christ did in his life, death, and resurrection was justification that brings life for all men and women. He's saying that there's a pattern, a parallel here. My disobedience brought condemnation for all of you. In the same way, Christ's righteousness can bring life for all of you. Condemnation is yours because you are in me. But justification can be yours if you are in Christ. Romans 5 verse 19 says, just as through the disobedience of the one man, that's me again, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Christ, the many will be made righteous. You got me in you, and that makes you a sinner. You need to have Christ in you, and he will make you righteous. Hope hangs on Christ. You have me in you, whether you like it or not, by nature. You have Christ in you by faith. The flesh binds you to me, but faith can bind you to Jesus Christ. Faith is the bond of a living union with Christ by which all that he accomplished at his death and in his resurrection become yours. Do you see the pattern? That's how the cross makes a difference in your life today. Remember, I gave you a gift. 
I contaminated you with a disease. What a present. And you can't deny that you have it because the evidence is clear for everyone to see. But Jesus has a gift. Jesus has a present for you. The question is, will you receive it? The sin that's in me became yours by nature. The righteousness that's in Christ can become yours by faith. Righteousness is not in me by nature, nor is it in you. It isn't in us. We need, we need to receive it from the Son of God by faith in him, and it becomes ours. Romans 5 verse 17 says, if by the trespass of the one man, that's me, death reigned, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Death came to all of you because of me. In the same way, life can come to all of you because of him. That is the pattern. It works the same way. Isn't that good news? Notice that gift is mentioned five times in three verses. Romans 5, verse 11 to 17. Have a look. Five times. And not only... And remember, it's a gift. A gift is only something you can receive. You can't pay for it. You can't work for it. Imagine someone giving you a Christmas gift and you digging in your pocket saying, well, I'm sure I've got a 10 pound and let me just give you this for this. You'd offend that person. It's a gift. Five times in three verses. And not only does it say it's a gift, notice what type of gift it is. It's a free gift. Could it be any clearer? Listen to Romans 6, verse 23, in the next chapter. For the wages of sin is death. Don't get it twisted. But the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Acts 16, 31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus And if you do so, you will be saved. Why does it say that? Because faith unites you with Christ and through that union, his righteousness and his life become yours. When you are in Christ, you have a marvelous future. I can't begin to tell you the joys of life in the paradise of God. But I can tell you that if you are in Christ, they will all be yours. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, as in Adam, in me, all die. And you can't deny that, that's a fact. We've had a brother in, you've had a brother in this very congregation that died recently. It's a reminder, isn't it? In Adam, all do die. But isn't it encouraging that in Christ, all will be made alive? Now that's my story. I'm here today to tell you, I messed up, and so did you. But God has an abundant provision of grace, a gift of righteousness that he offers to you, a gift, a present 
that you can receive through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, today. What present are you looking forward to on the 25th of December? Merry Christmas and a happy new year. More like a happy new life, eternally. Amen? Amen. I'm not sure if the praise team is going to come and join me. As they come, would you join me in prayer? Wow. I feel like I can lift my hands now. I've been sweating. I feel like the, you know, the, the advert, he puts his hands up. <laughs> I can put them up now because you all, you all should have your eyes closed. Let's pray. And maybe for someone today, this is going to be the first time that you do this. You may have said the Lord's Prayer or may even have read the Bible. But I remember for me, 23 years ago, in a church called St. Mark's in Kennington at the Oval, I prayed, although I had prayed before, I prayed for the very first time. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you because you had mercy on me, on Adam, in the garden. You could have You could have terminated him on this. You could have extinguished him. You could have exterminated him on the spot. And that would have been right. It would have been just. It would have been righteous. But Father, you had mercy on him and Eve. And you took animals and you killed them and you shed blood in that garden. And you took the skins of those animals and you covered You covered Adam and Eve, not just their nakedness physically, but you covered their nakedness spiritually. And every single person that has sinned and not been covered by the blood of an innocent sacrifice stands guilty and condemned before you. And at one point in time, will be judged. And the fact that, Lord, sinners can continue to run around and sin Wow, it's just a picture of your mercy. I pray, Father, if there's someone here today that they would hear my story, they would hear how you were good to me and how I saw your grace in the garden, I pray that someone would appreciate, and not only appreciate, but appropriate that grace for themselves and that they would receive the greatest gift that they could ever receive, not just this Christmas, but the greatest gift that they could receive in their lives. The forgiveness of God that comes through the sacrifice of Christ. And we praise you. Thank you that you've helped our focus to be fixed in the right direction with the right gaze during this season. It's such a struggle, Lord, with materialism, it's such a struggle with the temptation to please by buying a present for everyone that we can't afford, 
It's such a struggle trying to give our children the presents that they would really, really want. And they're not even extravagant, but we can't afford. It's such a struggle this time of year. And for many, they're lonely. And Father, many may feel like they've been cast out of the garden. And not only are they not in communion with you, they're not in communion with anyone. But thank you, Father, that, that Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. Father, would you save someone because you've been seeking them and you've brought them here even today. Thank you that we don't have to hump it or hype it because you do it by the power of your spirit and it's beautiful. And we trust you. Like the scripture says, those who put their trust in you will never be put to shame. Help us, Lord, even now as we take a moment to sing of our gratitude and our gratefulness for the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I am yours. 
Would you please help us not to be distracted by <coughs> this world that is a very, very vague representation of the true paradise, the true garden of God. Would you help us to, to see with eyes of faith? Would you help us to walk? Would you help us who know you to walk by faith and not by sight? Thank you for the privilege of being able to walk with you, albeit invisibly. But we praise you, even though we can't see you. But one day we know we're going to see you. And when we see you, we're going to be like you because of what Jesus did. And we thank you for the hope that we have. Father, would you allow this Christmas season, this Christmas season, to be one in which you're glorified? Would you, be, would you give us courage with our family members? Lord, would you give us grace, Lord, not to get drunk this Christmas? Lord, many, the, the majority of births that take place happen in August, September, because so much... Pre- so much promiscuous sex takes place during this season. Father, would you spare us from that? Would you deliver us from evil? Would you lead us not into temptation this season? For the sake of the Lord Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you help us to see that Jesus is not baby Jesus in a manger. He came as such, humbly. Wow. 
But thank you that Father Jesus didn't remain a baby. He became a man. And he lived the perfect, sinless life. And he became that great sacrifice for our sins in order that we might be able to stand here and worship you and be in communion and relationship with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the greatest gift. Thank you for the most wonderful present this Christmas. And thank you for the Lord Jesus because he is it. Amen. Amen. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace during this season of goodwill and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.